On June 6, 2013, The Guardian newspaper published a report on a secret government program called PRISM that allowed the National Security Agency to collect data directly off the servers of major tech companies like Google and Facebook. It was just one of a series of eye-opening revelations found in leaked documents provided by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden. After the leaks, Snowden fled to Russia by way of Hong Kong and has been there ever since. Meanwhile, back in the United States, the debate continues over both the activities brought to light by the leaks and whether Snowden's actions were justified. Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're joined by Chris Robichaud, a lecturer in ethics and public policy here at the Kennedy School, who is the sponsor of a new case study focused on the question of whether Snowden is a hero or a traitor. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the details of Snowden in particular, can you describe the case study? I mean, what it is, how how it's used in teaching, and um, why maybe this issue in particular got your attention? Absolutely. So uh, in general, we try to use cases here for uh, a variety of pedagogical tasks. Uh, my interest in it was f from an ethics standpoint. I teach uh, multiple uh, courses here in ethics, including a required ethics class, political ethics, for all the master students in public policy. Mm -hmm. And so um, what, what we do with a case is we write up um, in an uh, ideally objective way you know, a situation, something that happened, someone who did something, etc. We document it very well. We present a narrative. And then we give it to students to mull over, think about this thing, and we lead uh, a, a discussion over an entire class about that case. And um, my interest uh, is typically in the ethics of a variety of cases. Mm -hmm. What caught my eye about Snowden, to answer that part of your question, is yeah. uh, a good portion of the course to the master students in public policy is devoted to having them think very carefully about balancing their personal morality against the morality that comes with the professional roles that they will be adopting, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And Snowden is a great example of someone who did that. He had a strong view of political values that, you know, run through this country, and, and then he had, you know, a view of what his role was, et cetera. But also, um, I think it's, you know, I think it's, maybe I should just stop there. I think that that's one of the reasons why I picked Snowden. I think maybe the other reason, which may not be as interesting to folks, is, you know, he's young. I mean, you know, this wasn't a whistleblowing case where someone, you know, high up the ladder decided to just, you know, break everything open. Mm -hmm. This is someone in his 20s who had access to unbelievable amount of information. And I think a lot of students will find themselves in a position like that or may find themselves in a position like that. So it hits home, in other mm -hmm. words, is what I'm trying to say. I, I think it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, Tom Ricks, national security reporter, um, wrote a little while back um, that he was actually uh, leaning against when he was debating whether what Snowden did was was right or wrong. He was leaning against it, except for the fact that everybody under 30 that he talked to thought, <laughs> that Snowden was a hero. <laughs> well, I can speak to that. Uh, I've run this case twice now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're looking at a sample set of about 100 students, you know, 50, 50 a, a class. And what makes this case great, in my opinion, as an instructor, is folks, even under 30, since that's most of the students mm -hmm. I'm teaching, uh, are completely divided on this, almost evenly. In fact, the way that I start teaching this case is I say, all right, how many of you think that what he did is, you know, morally permissible, all things considered? About mm -hmm. half of them raise their hand, and I say, are right, you get on one side of the room, everyone else get on the other side of the room, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk back and forth this entire time. And in both classes, it was like that. Mm -hmm. And talking to my colleagues, it was similar in their classes. So uh -huh. th this has, you know, a lot of legs for this very reason, which sure. is even students, you know, who are younger, 
when working through the case and really thinking about it from a standpoint of political ethics, they come out on different sides. So, can you actually uh, talk a little bit about the about the two sides? What you know? What are the basic tenets of both? So, and again, I, I focus on. I, I want to just say that I'm focusing on the ethics part. Mm-hmm. It's not the legal sure. case. I don't know anything about that. But for folks who think that what Snowden did w- was morally permissible, mm-hmm. I mean, almost in everyone's con- calculation includes weighing the benefits against the costs. Of course, right. for them, the benefits you know vastly outweigh the costs. You know, the benefits here was that. There was a strong belief amongst people who thought that Snowden was doing a good thing that um, a, a harm was being done to us through the spying, a significant harm to the American people. Mm-hmm. There was the belief that it was highly unlikely that this harm would ever see the light of day without Snowden or someone else doing something like what was done. Mm-hmm. That relying on the mechanisms of power to reveal this was relying on the wrong source. And they would point to things like senators who kept, you know, publicly saying, you know, we're seeing how this, uh, how the Patriot Act is being interpreted and, you know, you should be worried um, and that not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the thought was a significant harm was being done to the American public and there were no normal mechanisms through which that that harm would see the light of day. Mm-hmm. And that there, you know, and, and then couple that with the fact that Snowden, you know, did have a responsibility. He did, you know, sign you know, pieces of paper that said, I won't do this. So they didn't ignore those facts, but they thought that, you know, that was trumped by other things. Mm -hmm. On the other side of it, folks will typically say, well, uh, he could have pursued other legitimate avenues before doing this. Mm -hmm. And moreover, and I'm I'm putting a few arguments together. Uh, Moreover, uh, he created, he he, uh, did significant harm to the nation of a different sort, national security sort, by doing this. And then there are some who are deeply suspicious of his intentions. So the, the case itself uh, remains agnostic on this because no one can get inside someone's head. Sure. It just says what he says. Uh, but some folks are, you know, really suspicious of what he did after leaking and about, you know, putting himself out there and, you know, ending up uh, in Russia. And so they think that intentions matter in a sort of case like this, and mm-hmm. they infect any good that might have come out of it. Right. So that's roughly the balance that you see going back and forth. So yeah. one of the mechanisms that you point out in the case is the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act, right. which um, allows a national security worker to, if he finds some kind of fraud or uh, abuse, um, to be able to bring it to either the Inspector General of a federal agency or any uh, intelligence committee, Congressional Intelligence Committee member. Um that seems like uh, it could be the first <laughs> first way to reach the public if he wanted to go through legal avenues. Why wasn't that pursued? I don't know if Snowden. It's a really good question. When we wrote the case, I don't know if that if his thinking on that had been uncovered yet or not, or if we have yet. Um, we can ask the hypothetical. You know, whether we're ever going to learn really why or not. You know, mm-hmm. ought he have? Sure. I think with whistleblowing, my my view is. Whenever we look at a whistleblower, there always seems to be a group of people that say, well, why didn't you just do this first or that first or that first? And Mm -hmm. sometimes that is a reasonable demand, and sometimes it isn't. In the case of Snowden, I I can at least put myself into his mindset and say, look, his target broadly is all these people. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's an indictment of them. He's being asked to go to people who, in some sense, are the target of his whistleblowing. Sure, yeah. And ask their permission 
to target them. Right. You know? And so you might think, or you know, or at least if that's if that's the wrong way to put it, at least asking their, you know, ask them to do something about you know uh, an activity that he thinks is problematic of which they might be involved. Right. I think you take that and you couple it with his concern, which is not unreasonable, that yes, um, that might have worked. What might have also happened is that he was completely shut down. He loses any chance to bring this to the public at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe trumped-up charges are brought against him. That sounds paranoid, but this country has been pretty aggressive uh, when it comes to these sorts of folks. And I think you do have to balance those things. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard judgment call. Yes, I could maybe go to this official source, but if the official source says leave it alone, uh, is that all the official source is going to say, or am I going to find out that I have a new job suddenly and I've lost my window? Right. I, I don't want to, you know, think too much about what, you know, what if, but mm-hmm. when challenging power of this extent, I think that we should be at least charitable in, in appreciating the view that you don't want to go through the channels that power has set up for you right. to challenge it. So it, you actually point out in the case a few uh, predecessors, really, to to Snowden, for, who like Jesse rebe- Manning and so ex- forth, exactly, right. yeah. who uh, revealed NSA secrets and went through uh, the process that you know Snowden may have. Did that inform uh, his actions, or at least our our perception of his actions? I, was, I think it should inform our perception of his actions. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, he says that he paid quite a bit of attention to these things, but mm-hmm. as I mentioned, I mean, this is this is one of the concerns, which is you yeah. know, a track record here with whistleblowers regarding national security is. Right is not good. And, you know, of course, some people are going to be like, well, it shouldn't be good. You know, we need, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, we can't have a properly functioning government that protects us unless we have secrets. And to some extent, that's, of course, true. I mean, mm-hmm. No one no one really denies that. But, uh, you know, Chelsea Manning, I mean, we locked her up and threw away the key for I don't know how long uh, before even getting around to a trial. Right. You know, and then the trial happened and now she's locked up and the key's thrown away again, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just one example. It doesn't it doesn't instill confidence that the process is is just. Of course, she was a military member going through uh, that process as opposed to you know, a civilian trial. Absolutely. Right. right. Um, so I, uh, I get the sense that lately um, the tide has been turning a little bit against Snowden lately. And I get it in particular because the place where he ended up, Russia, yes. um, has been a perpetrator against human rights for so long. Um, I know uh, Tom Ricks, who I mentioned earlier, uh, even Matt Lauer very recently has been, um, they've both been admonished by uh, Snowden's collaborator, Glenn Greenwald, um, for pointing out you know, that seeming, uh, you know, that conflict. Uh, do you think that's a fair uh, question of, you know, the fact that he ended up there? I think, you know, from the standpoint of explaining why people might have ill will towards Snowden, it makes perfect sense to point to the fact that he's in Russia because people don't like Russia. Right. We're not supposed to like Russia. That's what we're told. And mm-hmm. and it, there are some objective reasons to not like Russia, obviously. Right. Um, but then again, there are some objective reasons not to like us. You know, uh, the point here is that we don't like Russia. Snowden's now in Russia and Snowden revealed national security secrets. And right. you can see how if you just keep it at that level, um, people are like, well, this guy must be a traitor or, you know, or how could you end up here? Or, you know. But to me that, you know, I mean, that that's like the most basic level of evaluating this thing. How did he end up there? Was this a master plan or was it just that he had nowhere else to go? He spent some time in an airport. I can't imagine that that was terribly exciting to him. 
Honestly, I can't imagine it's really exciting that he's in Russia right now. I mean, whatever the public face he wants to put on that, I would probably guess that he'd rather not be there. It, it's probably a significant downgrade from being yeah. in Hawaii getting paid, <laughs> you know, six figures. For... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, exactly. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't think that we should put, personally, I don't think that we should put too much stock in this. You know, we haven't seen how this whole thing plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish this country would, you know, reach out to, maybe it has, and, and try to come to some agreement. Maybe Greenwald could, you know, help broker that, where it's like, you know, we won't pursue the death penalty, or we won't even pursue a traitor, you know, you know trial, but, we, you know, you do have to face charges, but come home. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be, that would be nice, mm-hmm. you know. So fundamentally, this is uh, about civil disobedience, really. Of a sort, yeah. Um, In the case, uh, Glenn Greenwald is quoted as as saying that um, although Snowden likely broke the law, he, quote, made his choice based on basic theories of civil disobedience. And so Snowden himself um, said that this disclosure gives President Obama an opportunity to return to, quote, the rule of law rather than men. Um, So for me, that brings up uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s Mm -hmm. uh, letter from a Birmingham jail, in which he says, quote, uh, one who breaks an unjust law must do so openly, lovingly, and with a willingness to accept the penalty. I submit that an individual who breaks a law that conscience tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice is in reality expressing the highest respect for law. Now, I can't help but feel like the fact that Snowden actually ran away, he Mm -hmm. tried to elude capture, kind of undermines his argument that he's trying to make change and kind of undermines his stated belief in, you know, the rule of law. Sure. Um, And that's uh, an interpretation that a lot of people uh, share with you. Mm -hmm. The other side of that, just to throw it out there, is, you know, just to push back a little on uh, the reverence thinking there, is uh, that makes sense, accepting sort of the penalties that the law will uh, provide should you do this. That makes sense only if you think that system of law is itself just. Mm. It makes no sense to say you should break an unjust law and then subject yourself to legal sanction if that legal sanction is also judged to be unjust. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that concerns Snowden that we may all ask about is, you know, is there there justice here with said whistleblowers? Mm -hmm. Just to put it out there, to my mind, it makes no sense that someone who did what Snowden did should ever face the death penalty. And yet there is a way of construing what he did where he might face trial for just that. Mm -hmm. And to me, if you're whistleblowing and you say to yourself, it would be wholly unjust for me to face death for doing this. I don't see why it's reasonable to demand that you, I mean, Socrates was on board with that, you know, (laughs) Uh, and he died. (laughs) Right. You know, uh, so I think that, you know, if you need to evaluate the laws that would um, determine your fate. And if Mm -hmm. you think that those are unjust... So I don't I don't see Snowden's actions personally as ones that advertise themselves as being uh, an indifference towards any penalty. Mm-hmm. I see them as protecting himself from uh, harms that he think would be unjust done to him by the state. Do you think it's undermined his in in terms of public perception his efforts in that regard? Sure. I mean, the, I mean, the, I mean specifically about the revelations, not even about himself. I, I think yes, absolutely. In part, you know, a distinction that I really. Uh, impressed upon my students is evaluate the act, evaluate the actor. Mm -hmm. And those two things don't necessarily go together. They might go together, but they don't need to. 
So, you know, we should be clear about evaluating the action. Was this act of whistleblowing done for these reasons, let us say, mm-hmm. permissible? All right, now let's talk about Snowden and evaluate him as a person and as an, you know, an actor, an agent in this case. And sure. you might come out with saying he did a permissible thing, but, you know, he himself should face some kind of, you know, moral indictment. That's mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to keep those things apart. In the public's eye, they typically get blended together pretty easily. You right. know? And so if folks have bad feelings towards Snowden, it's going to infect their assessment of his actions. That's just a natural thing that you have to be trained to sort of, you know, remove yourself from. Right. So what do you expect your uh, students to come away after, you know, reading this class going through this process? I mean, I suppose the majority of people who are listening to this aren't going to have that uh, experience. But, you know, what what's the takeaway? It's a great question. So I think one of the takeaways is leaning on um, an apparatus to help you think through these things for yourself. And so mm-hmm. we introduce a framework by my colleague Arthur Applebaum, which is, you know, think about cases like this in terms of the good, the just, and the legitimate. And think about how you would have judged these things, but also how the actor did. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, can, we can evaluate an action according to the good that it produces, whether it's in concert with what we evaluate to be just, and whether it's legitimate. And if you think that a certain policy, for instance, is both you know bad, produces a lot of bads, and is unjust, and may not even be legitimate, then that gives you a ton of reason to push back on it. Sure. Um, and and if, it, if it is just and legitimate, but you just think it's a bad policy, the thought is, well, then you have less, you know, options available to you. You should you mm-hmm. seek out more standard means. So I want students to use that apparatus to think about cases that they will confront. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that a case like this is good to have them really wrestle with what would they be willing to do, how far would they be willing to go, sure. this sort of thing, sure. um, for something that they firmly, firmly believed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also good, I think, to have them think really carefully about tensions between the legitimacy of government and the good that it can do and the harms that it can do right you know and that though you know that's there's always going to be tension there and the question really is you know what do you put up with in terms of harms in order to you know promote the goods that it does and when do you say enough is enough mm-hmm. you know so i mean in this case i'm just i'm sorry it's like you know the patriot act uh ostensibly was you know given to us to say uh we want to protect you that's a right. good thing but a lot of harm seems to be coming from it, unsurprisingly. <laughs> well, Chris Robichaud, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to HKS PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. Hear more interviews at hks.harvard.edu policycast. And join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag policycast. PolicyCast.